Hello, and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we're talking Birds, Birds of, of Prey. Prey, or the fantabulous emancipation of the one Harley Quinn. Or if you saw it after it's in theaters, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, because they were desperate to try and get people into the theaters for this. Wait, when did they change the title? While it was in theaters. You know how Cats had like three different versions? This did the same thing, but with titles. It's sad, because the movie stands up on its own. At least no one for this movie, to my knowledge, had to edit out cat buttholes. There was a hyena. I was actually on the lookout for one. <laughs> <laughs> is a hy- I thought a hyena is a dog. It is, but it's still an animal that could have had a butthole <laughs> on screen. Even, Very true. even more so to distinguish this from Cats is that unlike Suicide Squad, half the movie wasn't shots of Margot Robbie's ass. That has nothing to do with Cats. But we're talking about butts. Your transition was not solid. I would give the transition a two out of five. You know why I'm okay with egg this? Egg sandwiches. You know why I'm okay with this? Why? Because this is the first time we've recorded in six months. Is it been six months? Last time, uh, I've, I've got to get this one out, so uh, you're going to get a pandemic uh, episode coming up here soon, but the last time was The Invisible Man, which was February, because that was the last time we felt comfortable going into the theaters. And we had a baby. We did have a baby. So February, that makes sense, because February, then I went to Los Angeles to film Never Hike in the Snow, mm-hmm. so... Um, the new trailer for that comes out September 1st. Nice. On uh, Womp Stomp's um, page and YouTube. Um, so we went and filmed that in the snow, and I was eight and a half months pregnant. Yes, you were. We, uh, yeah. we bought you an extra large size winter coat, and uh, your snow pants did not zip all the way. They did not. Uh, I've got images of, a, of snow pants not zipped. I'm going to tell you, when you're shooting overnights and you're super pregnant and you're super high altitude and you've got, um, there was a big stretch of time between stunts at one point and uh, that might have been the most uncomfortable I've ever been and then flying back to Atlanta, uh, you know what's funny, so we, I'm going, we're coming back from Atlanta and we hit major turbulence mm-hmm. and when you're super pregnant, you got to pee all the time. <laughs> so I went up to go to the bathroom like a normal person and I'm in the bathroom and there's crazy turbulence mm-hmm. and like I'm pinballing and I've, I start laughing because I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> are you serious? So I come out and I'm flying Southwest and these two Southwest flight attendants grab me, Jordan, grab me and sit my butt down. They like grab me, spin me around like they're stunt people in a movie and sit my butt down and they're like, and they buckle me up and they're like, you sit here. And I was like, herky-dicky. <laughs> You're like, I just wanted to go back to my seat where I had something to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, luckily it was towards the end of the flight, but, uh, mm-hmm. it was really bad. It was really bad turbulence, but, uh, it was bizarre. I can imagine. Yeah. And, I obviously wasn't there with you on that one. And then March, pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And then we have a baby. In the middle of a pandemic, which does no good for one's stress eating. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and we have been finding a rhythm. One thing that they tell you with a newborn, you're like, oh, with a newborn, it's the most tired you'll ever be. And I, my joke has been, well, clearly these people have not been on runs of TV shows because that's the most tired I've ever been. Mm-hmm. However, update on the tired. I would say it's about four months mm-hmm. because she is now aware she now gets bored, and now she won't fall asleep anywhere. Right. But it's, it's weird that you're as tired as you are because she's doing a pretty good job of sleeping through the, most of the night. I would say most of the night, but like last night, she got up crying twice. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, she only got up two times. Y'all, when you wake up, when you are playing a game, we've been playing lots of really fun games um, if you've been following us on Instagram, um, you can follow us on Instagram at Date Night of the Movies. And um, we've been playing oh, interactive video games? Uh, yeah. Uh, they call them interactive dramas. Interactive dramas. Yeah, but I think that's also uh, that's also some pissed off gamer's way of being like, these aren't real video games. Well... For those of us who don't like to play real video games, I'm having a good time. I'm just glad that I've finally found games that we can play together again. That's fair. Yeah. Well, um, uh, we, I mean, we do play Mortal Kombat. We do. There's the update to Mortal Kombat 11, but the update is it costs as much as the game itself. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, wh- I, trust me, I'm keeping an eye out for it on sales and stuff, but like, I'm not going to pay $40 for DLC. No. So anyway, we've been playing games, and luckily, I mean, honestly, we've been going to bed at 10.30. Yeah. But when the baby wakes up at like 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and your time, it's then she wakes up at 7. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Remember when this podcast used to be about movies? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a new audience, slash, hi, everybody. So if you are a longtime listener, hello, we've missed you. Yes, I've been sitting on like two episodes uh, for the entirety of pandemic. Uh, and honestly, it's just on me why they haven't been out. Like the world's on fire around us and I haven't had the gumption to sit down here and edit. We have a dog of the podcast. It is Charlie. And he is making a bed like Madison does. Yeah. They like to scratch at the carpet I have in my studio and leave big dust bunnies all over the place. Yes. Uh, and Charlie has a haircut. He looks mooey handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he looks like he has the body of a deer right now. <laughs> He's so handsome. Um, gosh, uh, yeah. Well, it, it's so bizarre, y'all. Like before, we were finding it. You know, we finding these times to get our butts in theaters. And if you've been a longtime listener, you know that we have this passion for the movie experience, mm-hmm. like going to the theater and. We often rate our movie theater experience, yeah. not with, not an out of five whatevers, but we talk about the movie experience and how it affects the movie. So not being able to go to the theater, the fact that they're opening yeah, is, AMC is about to open. And AMC isn't requiring masks from their patrons or their employees. And I, I'm sorry. So I follow a lot of CDC guidelines and one person was saying, you can wear a mask, like wearing a you can wear a mask that is important, but social distancing is distancing is null and void in places with air conditioning inside. Yeah. And what? What? 
I've been really, people go to a drive-in and that sounds really, really fun. I would like to try a drive-in sometime, but again, we have a baby. We In a pandemic. Yeah. You have a baby in a bar. Name that movie. Uh, God, I don't remember. Sweet home Alabama. I think the last time I saw that we were dating and it was in your parents' basement. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just haven't had the gumption to get down here and put those episodes out. So that's completely on me. Yeah. But we have the other thing that, again, if you're a longtime listener, you know that we like to ask our guests what they like to do on a date, date night. And we haven't had one of those. No. Our postpartum midwife was like, you know, y'all should go out on a date. And we we're like, Where? It's a pandemic. Yeah. And finding um, babysitters just to come over and watch your baby and then have to ask, have you been wearing masks and following protocols and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, it's really not easy. Yeah. And like my mom lives like an hour and a half away. So like she would come do that. But it also seems weird to be like, can you drive an hour and a half for us to go out for a couple hours and then you drive back home an hour and a half that night? Yeah. It's super bizarre. Yeah. But also, where would we go? I mean, that's that's the big thing. I'm saying even if we could go somewhere. Yeah, we could go get ice cream at Jenny's and go sit on the Decatur lawn. But we can also just do that with the baby. I know. Yeah. She likes the fake grass. Mm-hmm. We're, we're very practical people. Like, <laughs> a, a, apparently romance isn't that big of a thing for us anymore. We're just like, no, just take the baby everywhere. <laughs> we're trying. So, it seems kind of bizarre to be at date night at the movies. Yes. And, um... We have no babysitter money. Yes. Uh, the movie industry is also shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm still, I still am going through these crazy withdrawals with the fact that um, the last time I was on set was February. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple of like $150 jobs uh, here and there since pandemic. Uh, you know, doing music and doing some mixing and stuff like that. But for the most part, like, We've just been living off of uh, SAG residuals and uh, savings for the last eight months. Yeah. Um, so this is a, it's a bizarre time. I've done a stunt breakdown. Um, training is really hard right now. And plus I had to get back on my own two feet. Mm-hmm. But um, I was trying to practice some like butterfly kicks and things like that the other day. And I was like, I, my legs weigh a thousand pounds. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, but also, my training space is concrete, which is not the easiest to train on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pr- trying to practice some like gymnastic key things. I'm not a gymnast, um, but my wrists couldn't handle it. Well, and we talked about getting like the rubber flooring to put in the gym, but then uh, we had to retile our bathrooms, uh, which is a fun way to spend money mid-pandemic. Yeah. So uh, couldn't afford to make the gym better right now. Yeah, which is fine. So here yeah. we are bitching about everything. We're just catching you up with our lives. And let's face it, life in gen- like if we're looking at it from like a general view, kind of sucks right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, we just had a baby and we love her and we get to spend all this time together. But for the most part, it's like, you know, things just kind of suck. It's really hard. So when I, uh, I had to go get a few things at the grocery store today. Jessica was also on phone interviews and she sends me a text, I want ice cream. So <laughs> I go to get ice cream. While I'm there, I don't think you even know this, but I got stuff to bake a cake for whenever the time comes. <laughs> because normally, like that's one of the things I, I can do is I can bake this particular cake that Jessica can eat. And you know we eat it for as long as, until it goes stale and then we eat some more. You know, <laughs> uh, 
But then whenever we're like, oh, we want something sweet, and I'm like, well, let me go get stuff to bake a cake. Uh, Jessica's like, well, no, you don't need to go out there and drive and all this stuff. So I'm just like, I'm here, I'm getting it, so that way next time we want a cake, uh, we just have it. There- because it is a <laughs> pandemic, and I feel like you need to put an explicit thing on this podcast from now on. Yeah. <laughs> but... The lady behind me, like, because she saw, like, the ice cream and the cake, and then I bought a couple other things that, like, flour and stuff. She was like, ooh, it looks like you're doing some baking. I'm like, really? I'm just getting the cake so my wife doesn't have an excuse for me not to make one next time I want to make one. (laughs) Uh, I have a wheat intolerance and a gluten intolerance. I hate this about myself. I'm embarrassed, but I can't just have normal things. I want to. Yeah, well, that... It's like we say with Madison, you know, you don't take a heart patient on a roller coaster. Yeah. By the way, Madison's now here. Yes. And she's, hi, little nose. Jessica added a desk into my studio now. So that's where we're recording this. And uh, I'm sitting away from my computer, which is weird because I'm having to kind of keep out of the corner of my, I'll look out of the corner of my eye to see if it's still going. Uh, but Madison is under the table, so you. I also got us some desktop microphone stands, so hopefully there's not as much crumb, crumb, crumb. Well, no promises. There's a gray dog under here. Well, and that's what I was just about to say. I don't know how much <laughs> sound is going to transfer from the, her whacking the table into the microphone stands, into the microphones, into the cables, so we're just going to see. Yeah. All right, so if you're a new listener, the way that this podcast used to work... We usually start talking about the movie way before now. That's not true. That's I said usually. (laughs) Not true. So we've designed the podcast so that way when you're on your way to the movie theater, when you're on your way, we start just talking about what you can potentially expect in this movie going experience, get you psyched up, or make you a little bit aware of the adventure that you're about to go into. If it's a Cats or Holmes and Watson situation, like we do try and give you fair warning. If you're like, do I go see this movie (laughs) so the idea um and that way by the time you're ready to come home maddie is now making a bed underneath the desk Mm -hmm. um uh by the time you're ready to come home you can listen to the spoiler section of the podcast where we talk about things a little bit more in depth um I guess that's just not what we're doing now. Well, we can still try and keep a similar thing, but I mean, obviously, nobody's driving to the movie theater right now. I hope you're not. Yeah. I mean, I, I really want to see the new Christopher Nolan as well, guys, but don't go to the movies right now. Yeah. Um, so hopefully as we continue, cause now we're getting a little bit more of a schedule. That's another reason why we weren't able to really film cause a newborn has no schedule. Right. Um, no schedule at all. And I'm sure for as many times as y'all have uh, listened to the dog snoring in the microphone <laughs> and Jordan's ticks through the microphone that I don't always feel like editing out, uh, <laughs> and us sipping and sometimes eating. I think it was whenever we got a pizza and recorded once, I was like, okay, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that for as patient as you all have been with that, you don't want a crying newborn in the microphone while you're listening to this in your earbuds or your car or whatever. So um, for any new parent that is joining us, because we're finally doing things that you can just watch in your house, um, yeah, we are now mastering the art of watching anything in a 20 to 40 minute time span at a time. I know. I know. I I would like to be the guy where, like, the Martin Scorsese, David Lynch uh, neophyte, where it's just like, well, I mean, you have to respect the cinema, and you have to watch it from start to finish. There's no skipping chapters. There's none of that. 
but you try watching The Irishman with a baby. <laughs> or not watch it at all. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. I've seen it twice. No. I've seen it zero times. Again, if you want, I would hate it. You like let's just watch Goodfellas. It's the entertaining version of that story. I just know I would hate the Irishman. I think I it, just know I would hate it. I th- honestly, here's what I think about your feelings on the Irishman. Okay, is that if there wasn't all this hype around it, you'd probably watch it and you'd probably be like, "That's pretty good." I never want to watch it again. <laughs> but because I just heard about some of the movement and here, so we also just watched Amer- an American Pickle, mm-hmm. and um, which I thought was a TV show the entire time until it was over. And I was like, oh, it was a movie. Um, but I'm really not inter- I, I'm really interested in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And for like an American pickle, Seth Rogen plays the Russian Jew mm-hmm. and the modern yeah. Brooklyn Jew. Right. <laughs> and while I, I actually really like Seth Rogen and mm-hmm. I like, I can't really tell you a movie that I don't like of his. Or like, even if we don't like the movie, we always like him in it. Yeah, but yeah. I still can't think of a movie I didn't like. There's got to be something. I haven't I, seen the interview. I haven't seen the interview either. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Knocked Up. Oh, you know what's funny? That came on. I was doing a, I was doing Council of Dads in Savannah, mm-hmm. and that was on, and I watched it. I mean, it's a fine movie, but like... Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing, though. It's an early 2000s rom-com. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't date awesome. Oh, also fair. Yeah. Well, anyway... Um, he plays both those roles, and while I find it, I found it entertaining and endearing. I was far more interested if he was playing against Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, you know. Um, oh, that would have been a good pairing. I know. So, um, so when I think of the Irishman, you've got Robert De Niro playing his young and old self, and apparently he can't move like a young man. No, there is a place where he's supposed to be like in his 30s or 40s, and he's supposed to do that Robert De Niro curb stomp that uh, he does so well in Goodfellas, and he it is like, you know, okay, here we go. Like, so... <laughs> in uh, keeping with the theme of the movie we're supposed to be talking about, uh, I've started watching the Harley Quinn cartoon show on HBO Max, and Jason Alexander is a voice on there. He's a guy named Cyborgman. <laughs> he's a cyborg who's in his 90s, and he's like the old Jewish landlord <laughs> of Poison Ivy. <laughs> Does he have a catchphrase? Uh, starting in like season two, uh, he starts doing something periodically throughout the episode where he's like, uh, he's like, there's no rules anymore. Like, nah, I'm right after we pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> and like it zooms in close and there starts to be flames and the reflections of his glasses. Oh, God. It's, it's pretty great, but yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. So we watched Birds of Prey. I need to bring up the IMDb. Um, oh, I didn't do the Today in History, so. I, I IMDb'd a little bit of this. Uh, Hit me with your best shot. There wasn't a, there wasn't just a ton that I found just super interesting on it. Um, there were things like you know, uh, Ewan McGregor's character was originally supposed to be played by Nicolas Cage or Sam Rockwell. I would have loved to see Nicolas Cage in that role. <laughs> I, I would, y'all, go back to our episode. Which one has Mandy? Was it the? Uh, I think we just titled it Mandy, but it might have been our 2018 in review. Did we title it Mandy? Anyway, y'all, yeah. go see Mandy. Mm-hmm. It's on Shudder. Yeah. Um, 
Which we just finished Creep Show. Creep Show was great. It's it's schlock and it's trash and I loved it. It was great. I actually really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I think it was like a very good version of what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, similar to this movie. This movie knew what it was. This movie really knew what it was. And so, okay. Here we go. Joy to the world. Birds of Prey. We're going to rate it in egg sandwiches. Egg sandwiches. How many egg sandwiches would you give this? Four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. Mm -hmm. Why would you give it four and a quarter egg sandwiches? I feel the way about this movie, similarly to the way that I did about the remake of Child's Play, which is just (laughs) the whole time I was watching it, there wasn't a single other place I wanted to be. Like, okay, it's definitely not high cinema. It's definitely not the best movie you're ever going to see. It might not even be my favorite comic book movie that they made, but that anybody's ever made. But like this movie was so gleefully madcap. And the the word that I've been using a lot lately was just unhinged. Yeah. Uh, And it knew what it was. But everybody was on board with it. Like, nobody felt like they were slumming. Everybody from all the actors to the director to the cinematographer to the composer, it all just felt like they were having fun doing it. Agreed. Um, I also love Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I love the fact that Harley Quinn's kind of become a uh, washing machine. Oh. There was just a weird water noise. It's been storming a lot lately, and that's been waking up the baby. So there are going to be moments like this in here from now on. Uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. But I love how Harley Quinn has kind of become a feminist icon. Like, that makes me so happy (laughs) for for whatever reason. Um, No, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And whenever it was done, I was like, I think I'm going to watch that again. I really enjoyed it. This is actually one I could see owning. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I really loved... What's your rating, by the way? Oh, my rating. What did I give it? I gave it a four. Yeah. Four egg sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give this four. I really thought um, it was very clearly directed by a woman, mm-hmm. but it was stunt coordinated by a man. Yeah. 100%. Totally obvious. Um, I just am... Y'all, I'm so irritated that Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn... Captain Marvel, they fight dudes. They fight dudes. Yep. And then we get the argument for for all these things being like, oh, well, Wonder Woman, it was set in World War whatever. Which one? One or two? One. One. Uh, only guys were like, y'all, we're making modern film. No one's looking. Yeah. I, I will say, like, that it's glaringly obvious in this movie. Yeah, that all the like you said, the nondescript stunts were men. Because um, you have all these awesome women kicking absolute tail. I think doing are are embodying these characters, showing care. Mm-hmm. Right? They have they're so multidimensional. They're so cool. Yeah. Right. You see these scary, scary women. Yeah. <laughs> caring for this young child who is kind of a badass herself, mm-hmm. but it's still a child. And you see all these awesome things, and then they're only fighting men. And it's like, well, then what are... So that's why I can't go above it, because to me, just as a performer, as a leader, as all these things, it's starting to get a little too distracting. So 
I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think, unfortunately, we're kind of in the uncanny valley phase of proper representation in movies. Oh, yeah, Um, because we talk about it all the time in my circle of folks, um, especially in the intimacy world and in the casting world, is when we talk about diversity, it's like men and women. mm Mm-hmm. Or black and white. Yeah. Or we have to check the SAG after diversity boxes. And that's fine. But then I was, you know, I was talking with, uh, I work for Carmen Aiello, the casting director. And like, we had to fight to cast a little person in a role. Mm-hmm. We've had to fight for trans and non-binary people. If we're talking about diverse, so I'm not saying we have to do every single no. one of those things or we have to check all these boxes, but it's starting to be glaringly obvious. Well, so what I was, where my point was going with that is uh, because we're in that uncanny valley phase, they, the movie is cast primarily with women. I think Ewan McGregor and the guy who played Victor Zaz are the only two main, uh, like, leads, I guess, or primary characters who are men, which is great. Correct. It was written by a woman. It was directed by a woman. I think that's as far as they're willing to go right now. So I'm glad we got what we got, but it's still a problem. I I couldn't agree more. And then I guess the other thing that made it more obvious... We have a crying baby, but I want to say the thing that made it more obvious is the fact that Rosie Perez's character kept having her credit being stolen by a man, mm-hmm. and so therefore it made it opened my eyes to it. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Let's go handle a crying baby, mm-hmm. and we'll be back with more spoilers and more info and our review of Birds of Prey. Welcome back to Date Night at the Movies, where we are talking Birds of Prey, and I think we should pretty much stick to just talking about Birds of Prey at this point, right? No promises. Yeah. We're going to do our best. We're going to try. So say, you've listened to this podcast before. Well, normally, like, normally we'll go a little longer in the first half and talk more about the movie, but I looked at it whenever we had to go take care of the baby, and it's like, wow, that was 25 minutes long, and we talked about that movie for about five minutes. They're fine. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, we have to catch the friends up. Yes, we do. And six months is a long time. Six months is a long time. But anyway, Birds of Prey. We watched it on kind of on a whim because we had we had actually talked about uh, like well we really wanted to see it but we just don't know if we want to rent it right now and I was like well we have HBO Max so let's wait till it comes there because that's kind of become the home for everything DC and it just yeah. happened to be there. Today. And I kind of feel like we've been watching things on a whim anyway. It was kind of like. I, I, even today, I wasn't even thinking we were going to watch a movie. Yeah. So, but that's kind of how it's been. It took us three days to watch American Pickle. Yeah. Um, Hustlers, we finished in an evening. Yeah. Ford v. Ferrari, we finished in an evening. Yeah. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, I'm reading about... So, okay, Kathy Yan was the director. Yeah, I was, hadn't seen... She'd only had one other feature that I hadn't seen. Is it Dead Pigs? Yeah. I don't know anything about it. Um, but, I mean, I thought she did... I thought she did a great job. Uh, I think that, as we've seen in Suicide Squad, this is a style of movie that can go really wrong, really fast, really easy. And I think that she held everything together. She found the humor in the characters, but like you mentioned earlier, that I thought they were all very three-dimensional. Um, very three dimensional. Yeah. Um, and it was written by Christina Hodson. 
seeing what else um, Christina's done. So, okay, so she announced, uh, announced, Lord, she is the writer for Batgirl, which mm-hmm. um, they're in talks with um, right now, and they've just changed who's playing Batgirl. Right, Ruby Rose didn't want to do the stunts anymore, I think. I think she had like injured herself, and she was like, this isn't worth it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, some of my friends are in talk to be the Batgirl stunt double, nice. which is a really big deal. Um, but it looks like, um, oh, she's doing the 2022 The Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, she um, she was a writer on Bumblebee, Death, uh, Special Thanks on Net, no, Death Note, Special Thanks on Britney Runs a Marathon. Mm-hmm. Britney Runs a Marathon's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It is a very sweet movie. I, I wanted it to be more. Yeah. But it was very sweet. It, I enjoyed it. It was fine. I'd give I'd give it a solid three and a quarter. Yeah. Um so I uh, wrote Shut In, Unforgettable. Um so I mean it has written some action. I mean being a writer on Bumblebee, that's mm-hmm. and apparently Bumblebee is like the only good Transformers movie too. The first one is pretty fun. I mean I haven't seen any of them, so interesting, y'all. There's a pitch. This is according to IMDb Pro. Untitled Pirates of the Caribbean Margot Robbie Project. I'd watch that. Interesting. I'd watch that. Interesting. Although, oh no, is Margot Robbie becoming Johnny Depp? No, I don't think so. Because uh, we didn't know Johnny Depp was turning into Johnny Depp. Right, but Johnny Depp always went really quirky. Margot Robbie doesn't tend to go quirky. Um, did you not just watch the same movie? Okay, so there's a big difference between Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn and Johnny Depp playing Edward Scissorhands. Explain. So, Harley Quinn, she's going into an established character where people already have uh, expectations for what that's going to be. So, to a degree, she has to live up to them. Um, Johnny Depp playing Edward Scissorhands is like, okay, this is an entirely original idea from this person, from Tim Burton, uh, and I get to embody this character, and I get to bring a lot of this to this character. Uh, So, I see them as different things. Not saying that uh, Margot Robbie doesn't bring a lot to the table with Harley Quinn, but like if you look at her other work that she that she does, like I Tanya isn't a quirky movie. She just embodied the character. I completely or, no, disagree with you. I didn't mean not a quirky movie, not a quirky performance. I disagree with I don't, you. I don't think she so. is getting physically and sexually assaulted, and and is able to break the fourth wall. I couldn't disagree with you more. No, it is not Edward Scissorhands, a man who lives in a castle or right. wherever his maybe, tower. Maybe, maybe what I'm trying to say is that Margot Robbie isn't leaning as heavily into character the way that Johnny Depp does. I disagree. A lot of a lot of like the Johnny Depp performances. Uh, like, Listen, I'm not saying she's like going to pre- adopt her own British accent out of nowhere. No, but I'm saying that a lot of like the pre-Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean, like John- Johnny Depp is great, and you know he's done a lot of really interesting work that we like. But oh, God bless Fantastic Beasts. Let's not talk about that right now. Um, but uh, half of Johnny Depp's early movies were based upon what costume he was wearing. I disagree. I just flat out disagree with you. Okay. Wow. (laughs) 
anyway, um, yeah. Uh, all right, you show me what Margot Robbie has done that is the equivalent of Johnny Depp doing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I've never seen that. Uh, uh, Sleepy Hollow. What a wacky movie. Edward Scissorhands. But also Margot Robbie. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, bless it. But Margot Robbie hasn't, she's like at the Benny and June stage of his career. Right, but she, I, I don't know. I just don't see her doing the same thing. I don't, I don't think that she is in danger of becoming the next Johnny Depp. Pirates of the Caribbean. Lots of people are in those movies. <laughs> That's kind of like saying Javier Bardem is going to become the next Jeffrey Rush just because they both played villains in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. No. We're just going to disagree on this one. Mm-hmm. Back to talking about this movie that we just watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, Margot Robbie was amazing in this movie. I really enjoyed... Um, I enjoyed watching her also because it wasn't just about, um, and I think this is honestly more rooted in the direction of the movie is it was very rooted in who this person was in mm-hmm. the reality of the world. Yeah. Cause if you look at Canary played by journey Smollett, that all existed in this world, right? It yeah. made sense. We had this, um, I also kind of got this, um, uh, uh, L.A. Confidential vibe. There, there was a little bit because there were a lot of characters that were uh, that were coming in and out in different places and all had their part to play. Yeah, you know? um, I got like an L.A. Confidential vibe. I got uh, I, there was a lot of noir. There was a lot of it was very mafia movie. It was very a la um, Chris Nolan Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but the colors were nice and bright. Yeah, um, that's what I think. Like it, this, you could see everything in this movie. Even the night scenes were really, really well lit. Mm-hmm. And what I also really enjoyed is that you get to see Gotham as like a, just a normal city. You could see Gotham in the daytime. They go and just have like cocktails and do these things. Yeah. Whereas we're used to seeing Gotham as like like what you what New York City subways are. Right. <laughs> right. It's never you never get out of the subway. Mm-hmm. But the, you got to see how people actually live in Gotham and not in like, I don't know, Batman always makes Gotham just look as like an, an in, inhabitable place. Yeah. yeah. Inhabitable. Inhab- inhabitable. <laughs> Lord, Lord. Well, what I, what I like about that too, because yeah, this was definitely a living and breathing world. A lot of it reminded me of uh, the Arkham games, especially... Especially the last two, where like you're at, like you actually go through the city and you see the city. Uh, especially anytime you play the Arkham games, though, it's so dark. Right, but especially in the in the last one, like it feels like a living, breathing city. There are different streets that you go down. They are populated with different buildings. Um, you know, and the DC movies have taken a, like flat out a lot of cues from the Arkham games because outside of the Chris Nolan Batman movies, the Arkham games were the only things keeping Batman alive. Uh, and you can really see that in Batman v Superman. Uh, a lot of the fights are taken straight from the Arkham games. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, um, I, which makes sense though, because if you're gonna, if you're taking, mm-hmm. uh, having designed action before, I look at video games all the time. Mm hmm. Because it's they're so creative and they're these open worlds. Yeah. So that makes sense. So so 
I don't necessarily... I would be surprised if they were like, yeah, well, we really went back to the Arkham games to see how we wanted the city to breathe. I don't think that at all. It just reminded me of it, you know? I get that. I, I think it's more of a zeitgeisty thing, you know? Yeah. Um, what I really like in terms of just, like, things having their own world and existing in their own places and not necessarily just being a character a character in the scene that you're watching, again, the way Suicide Squad was, Yeah. Um, is I love how they kept going back to the fact that Harley Quinn was a PhD before she became a criminal mastermind. I love the hell that popped up every so often. Yeah. But then, like, there was one scene near the end where it was literally that part of her, plus, like, the mentally unhinged Harley Quinn that we all know. It was the part where she was uh, psychoanalyzing one of the other women, and she was like, this is just like a sleepover. We should order pizza. Harley, focus. Yeah. I, I loved that. I loved that exchange. Um, I also loved how um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress was just super awkward whenever she wasn't killing somebody, like somebody who was raised in an orphanage by nuns. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. Um, And like, and that wasn't necessarily a thing. It was just part of her character. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like how... um, in Eurovision, which we talked about in our two-minute uh, movie review, yes. one of the character quirks for Rachel McAdams is that she always got two drinks just for herself. That yes. doesn't lead anywhere. It's just a part of the character, you know? Yes. Um, I, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I thought uh, yeah, Journey Smollett-Bell as Black Canary was great. And one thing, the, the one thing that stuck out to me in my IMD being is that apparently she played uh, Injustice 2 uh, to get inspiration for how she wanted to portray uh, Black Canary. Uh, so I just I just thought that was pretty cool. Again, it's the video games coming into the zeitgeist. Um, and then Rosie Perez is always just like, it's always just like, oh, good, I'm glad she's here every time she shows up, you know? I agree. And I'm actually, so I'm on IMDb right now, and I am looking, the stunt team for this is huge. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of really lovely friends um, on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that. Um, and there's a lot of stunt driving in this. Um, um, I'm trying to look about who's the fight coordinator. If there's a, specifically somebody who did that. I'm, I'm looking. While you're looking, I want to talk about one of my favorite shots in the movie. Hit me. Uh, and by the way, cinematographer is uh, Matthew Labatique who uh, most of you might know from, he works on all of Darren Aronofsky's movies. Uh, so like he, I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for Black Swan. Um, but uh, at the end, whenever they're all going down the slide, and then uh, the camera is following Huntress, and then she gets up and stops herself and lets the guy go underneath it's her. It's so good. It's all done in one shot. So just the choreography that had to happen there, plus the camera op, like, I, I don't know. I always picture it as like, you see the uh, behind the scenes, it was for the third Born movie where the guy literally jumps off the building with Matt Damon's stunt double. I picture it as something looking like that going down that slide. And it's it just, so good. it all came together so great. It's so good. Well, um, the the fights for this mm-hmm. are so creative. Yeah. They're so creative and they're so fun. Um, and you know, we were, I think we're being very attuned to the John Wick 8711 style of fighting. Mm-hmm. So this is still extremely theatrical. Yeah. Uh, but Oh my 
God, I've never seen so many broken legs in all my life. <laughs> no. It's so good. Um, what a lot of the fights reminded me of, and this is going to sound like it's a negative comparison, but it's not. You just have to let me finish what I'm saying. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, it reminded me of the opening fight in Guardians 2. Uh, oh, I can see that. And that was the best part of that movie. Again, just like with how creative it was with the characters uh, going on and off camera, uh, how they were interacting with each other, how they were interacting with uh, their target, I guess we'll call it. A lot of the fights were like that, especially um, this the fight after they go down the slide and then they're in like the spinning funhouse area. Yes. Uh, I think there was a good like 45 seconds at least of a single take of everybody doing their fight choreography. And, oh, easily. Yeah, if not, I mean, probably not as high as a minute and a half, but if not, maybe a minute long. But uh, I just th- I thought that it was just choreographed so well. Like you said, it was very kinetic. It was interesting the whole time. Uh, the car the car chases in this movie were great, especially like the rollerblades and the motorcycle and so good. Yeah. Um, I know I usually talk about music a lot uh, because obviously that's what I do. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to really analyze the original score in this movie because we had to play it a little lower. Yeah. And I think that's going to be something that I just have to get used to uh, and learn how to adapt to. Because even like whenever the baby's asleep and you're working out and I'm just playing a game or something like that, I can't really listen to the scores the way that I like to because I have to keep it low, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, Daniel Pemberton did this one, and he did Steve Jobs, which is one of my favorites. Um, he also did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, plus oh, a lot of other ones. Love Spider-Verse. Yeah. And what I really like about whenever he does stuff like this, and if you watch him in interviews, like he just has fun doing what he's doing. And the parts of the music that I could, the score that I could hear clearly, it definitely sounded like he was just like, nope, I'm all on board on this. Like I picture him as kind of like being the musical Ewan McGregor in this movie. Oh man, Ewan McGregor like lost his mind. It was and awesome. And I loved it. Um, yeah, I was totally down for his performance. Um, it was just a shame that because we're in spoiler territory that he was so obviously dead at the end of this movie because I would have loved to see him come back. Yeah, but also like it's Gotham. So there's always going to be, there's always going to be a bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm just saying I liked Ewan McGregor in this movie so much that I would have totally been down to have him come back in other movies. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, God, the stunt crew for this is so long. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. I also too, what I want to say is, um, the score didn't stand out to me and I know we were listening to it lower, but Mm -hmm. I don't tend to like to listen to things really, really loud. Um, and that is definitely one of the downfalls of moving at home. That's why we don't really want to spend $30 on Mulan. Uh, oh man yeah i am so bummed about that like i'm fine with it being direct to release but like you're gonna charge because again the movie going experience is worth going to you go and it's like it's just like a whole thing you go to listen to it in like 14.4 surround sound right you go because of the gigantic screen and that's why you pay 30 dollars to for two people to go see a movie yeah, and you go because you get to you get to just be engulfed in this world mm-hmm. that they hopefully have created for you. Yeah. And Mulan, they've put so much 
They put so much in there. It's and... one of the most expensive movies ever made. Oh. And I see why they're wanting to do that because they're trying to recoup their investment. But honestly, like we're in such uncharted territories right now, uncharted territory right now, they should have just pushed it back a year. I know. People would have gone to see that. I mean, honestly, once we're all at the point where we feel safe going to a movie theater again, A Quiet Place 2 is going to make so much money. James Bond is going to make so much money. So much money. And do, and do all of us really want to keep waiting for James Bond? No. No. I was ready to go see that four months ago. I was ready to see Mulan and like not have a baby during it. Yeah. I was ready. We were ready for her to go into labor during Mulan. Was ready. <laughs> I was here. Hi, dog of the podcast. Um, I know. I'm just super bummed also because the care that was taken in this movie, the... <sighs> we wish we would have seen this movie in theaters. That's one thing we both said at oh, the end Oh, this would have been awesome in theaters. Yeah. Um, it's also disappointing, too, because this movie made something like $200 million worldwide, but it needed to make 250 to 3 to break even. Oh. Uh, after- I also don't think... Here's the thing, is this movie was really great, but it comes on the heels of Suicide Squad. And at one point, they were making a joke about, like, the Joker, mm-hmm. and, like, like she doesn't need him. And all I could think, honestly, was, I am so glad that the Joker's not in this movie. I am so over anything Joker. Mm-hmm. And that's such a shame, because what an interesting and fascinating and amazing character mm-hmm. the Joker is. But there's a very tiny nose yep. sticking out. Hi, tiny nose. Uh, on the Harley Quinn TV show, uh, he's voiced by Alan Tudyk, who's basically doing Mark Hamill's Joker. But uh, but it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm just on I'm I'm on board for that show. I just finished season one today. Uh, but um, they kind of. They're kind of doing the same thing that this movie did, which is it's all about Harley Quinn deciding that she doesn't need the Joker anymore. Uh, which, again, I just love the fact that Harley Quinn has become like this feminist icon, you know? Agreed. Jessica just had to pick up the mic stand because Madison just got in her lap. Um, this tiny, tiny lap dog. Do you see this tiny lap dog? I do see that tiny lap dog. Um, yeah, I agree. Um... Do you feel in charge? I want to blow it up. <laughs> uh, I was born in the darkness. I peed in it. <laughs> Anybody else watch Bane Cat? Anybody? Anyway. Bane Cat's the best. So I think we just lost our audience. No, no, no. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, all things Batman, we have recently revisited the Nolan trilogy. Yeah. Um, um, so good. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises is definitely still my least favorite, but I still thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Batman Begins is, is that is the name of it, right? That's the first one, yeah. It's better than I remember. Yeah. Dark Knight's still everything I remember, and Dark Knight Rises is what it is, but like... How do you recover something that you thought that Heath Ledger was going to come back from and my main still th- pull it out? My main thing with The Dark Knight Rises is that there are just some very obvious missteps that happen in that movie. It's not so much that I don't enjoy watching it and like if it were if somebody were like, "Hey, I want to let's put on Dark Knight Rises." I'd be all about it. Yeah. But like there are just some obvious missteps that you can't help but notice. Again, the sound design behind Bane is like I don't know what they were thinking. It's and it, it's worse upon a rewatching. It really is. 
it never sounds like it's actually happening in the room. It sounds it sounds sound design. Y'all, okay. Jordan and I have a bone to pick with the sound design industry right now. Mm. And therefore, Jordan, you have to keep doing it to one day remedy this. What is happening? So now we are watching everything at home. Mm-hmm. Watching everything at home. Oh, the sound design, there is no, they don't make any changes from the theater to home. We have to toggle the volume constantly. And whenever you have to do that with three remotes, it gets very annoying. Yeah. And it's, it's so, I am so, so is anybody else experiencing this watching everything at home now? Because it's, I'm not finding it on TV shows. Well, I am a little bit. Uh, we deal with it. Uh, one of the shows that we watch while we go to sleep, just because I was I was raised having noise in the background while I go to sleep, so often that becomes the TV. Um, and we've been married for ten and a half years, so I now need noise. Mm-hmm. I didn't before. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a family before we got married either. So, <laughs> or this anyway. What? Anywho. And, I, it was making a point. Um, I think meds are kicking in. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Mrs. Maisel, we ran into it last night where they were playing a Barbara Streisand song and it was so loud. It so I had to turn so it down. Loud. And then once it got to the dialogue, you can't hear anything. Yeah. But I, uh, Mama's coming up. Mama's moving <laughs> out. Um, anyway, I'm tired. Yeah. Um, Anybody else watch Arrested Development before we found out that Jeffrey Tambor was a sex monster? Yeah, on honestly, I I don't I don't really know if I can say this uh, or if it's actually what I mean. I was willing to to a degree move past that and see what the rest of the cast was doing until that New York Times interview. I know. Um, not that I was willing to let Jeffrey Tambor slide because I liked Arrested Development. But well, anything that Jeffrey Tambor has done, and it's hurt and it's painful too because transparency is such an important show. Yeah, I mean, we're eventually gonna get to the point where we'll be able to separate the art from the artist again. Uh, I'm just not there yet. No, uh, I don't know if I, I just don't know. But that's our bone to pick with sound design. Um, yeah, so, it's more sound mixing. Sound okay, sound mixing. Yeah, sound design. Bad sound design is Bane never sound like he's talking in the same room as the rest of the cast. Yeah. Bad sound mixing is you have to turn it down five notches during an action scene, then turn it up seven during a normal dialogue scene. Right. I also get frustrated because so I come from a theater background. I've worked a lot in film. Whenever they direct a quiet scene and all of a sudden the actors are whispering, you know that you can depict a quiet scene. Like, a qu- y'all, a quiet place is beautifully mixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautifully mixed. And even when they're talking low, it never sounds like they're just talking low. Right. It makes me want to... Uh, uh, yeah. It makes me so... So, okay. Let's um, wrap up Birds of Prey. Real quick, I'm just going to say on that note, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of my favorite examples of doing that is in Juno uh which speaking of Juno we just played Beyond Two Souls which stars Ellen Page and so good the the game is great the story is great uh and she's done by Quantic Dream yeah and she's amazing in that game um it's great and we so we play again we play these games together it's our kind of like our 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 time because we get to talk through it you have to make decisions yeah and whenever like this I feel like there's this global collaborative stress right now. And are, we have no, like, 
our work is gone. Like we're trying to figure out and pick up the pieces of our of our lives. And sometimes it's easy to put the TV on and just disappear. Mm-hmm. And I find that we this is just one of those things we start talking to each other and we've actually had to pause the game because it starts conversation. Yeah. And I think it's a very, it's felt like a really healthy way to just talk through things. Yeah. Like with a little, with an escapism kind yeah. of peppered in there. I mean, cause we, I'm about to get back to my point with Juno here in a second. Oh, I believe you. But uh, like, it's not like we need to have the TV on or something like that to communicate with each other. But no. like but like we're also at a point where again, the world kind of sucks right now and we a little we're doing more escapism and more just watching TV than we normally do. Uh but yeah, doing this, we are actively interacting with each other. We're making these decisions together. We're talking over the decisions. And then like you said, sometimes we pause it and we'll just talk about because these games, especially the Quantic Dream ones, we've done Heavy Rain, Beyond, and Detroit. And we're about to probably start replaying Detroit here soon. Detroit is so good. Uh, but, like, they're ruminating on some heavy themes. Yeah. Uh, and even even Beyond, which doesn't... it Beyond is probably the most linear of all of them. And it probably has le- less, uh, like big themes in your face like heavy rain is all about well what would you do to save your kid you know detroit is ah. what does what does being alive actually mean Be- beyond you're just kind of following along this person's story but even so there are times like where you're like oh my god that was that relationship right and it gets you spurred on things so they're great especially if you're a gamer especially if you're not a gamer because like these aren't like really like uh athletic athletic games i call them which is like you know oh i played this on the hardest setting look how impressive i am yeah it's just about following the story uh so i definitely recommend them i especially recommend doing it uh with somebody to help you make the decisions and solve the puzzles and things like that anyway back to juno yeah uh there's the scene in june talking about one of my favorite ways of uh portraying a quiet moment uh they're in the mall i think it's the mall of america and uh and uh, Jennifer Garner's character is there, and she's trying to talk to the baby. And Juno's like, well, no, just you know, focus on it more. I can't remember exactly what the scene is. And then whenever she goes in and she touches the belly, she starts talking. They fade out all the rest of the sound, and it makes it sound like you're in this enclosed space, and you just hear her talking to the belly. It's one of my favorite sound design moments in any film. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And I even thought that 10 years ago before we had a baby, too. So, Fair enough. Um, but yeah, let's wrap up on Birds of Prey. Would you tell someone to go see this movie? Absolutely. Why? Um, it's one of the most fun experiences in a movie like this that I've had. I think I probably enjoyed, I haven't enjoyed, purely enjoyed a superhero movie like this since the first Guardians, I think. Oh. Um, Yeah. Would, I mean, what would you say, how would you compare this is not, you can't really compare them, but how would you compare it to Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel definitely takes itself a lot more serious. Oh, yes. Um, and it is a more serious movie just by by its nature. Um, now, Captain Marvel also has some great, some great gags and stuff like that in there and some great moments of humor. I'm not taking that away. But this movie, again, everybody is like, this is ridiculous. Let's do more of it. Um... Again, I don't think it's the best uh, superhero movie that I've ever seen. You know, like, it's definitely not... I liked it because it wasn't necessarily a superhero movie. Exactly. 
It was truly and and it was truly a super villain movie. Yeah. Again, it's what Suicide Squad thought it was doing. Womp womp. But um I've this is probably one of the most enjoyable comic book movies that I've seen. You know, I think like if you're talking about like from a cinematic perspective, and I'm using cinema in the really pretentious definition of it right now, like Avengers Endgame is better. You know? Uh the first Avengers is probably a better movie than this, but I enjoy this one is more enjoyable all around. Just be ready for a really violent Looney Tunes episode. Yeah, I agree. I also say go see this. Just go play this movie if you have um, HBO, HBO Max, or to rent it. You can often rent movies on iTunes and Amazon. And Amazon, they're like four bucks. Yeah, three, four bucks, something like that. Yeah, um, and you. Uh, a lot of times you have, sometimes you have like 24 hours from purchase or sometimes like from the first time you play it. Yeah, you have like, I think on Apple, on iTunes, um, you have 30 days to watch it. And then once you watch it once in that 30 days, then you have 24 hours before it expires. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's that's another really affordable way because I know a lot of us aren't just milking in cash right now. So just go see this. This to me is fun. Mm-hmm. It was very fun. It's not a movie that you're putting, you're not putting any emotional energy on the line um, to watch this. No. Um, and it's very entertaining. The colors, it's really bright, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's full of energy and it's it clips along. This movie didn't feel long. No. I would say so. If we're talking about one of my uh, one of my phrases that I tend to use for anything I do is is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, are you going to get more out of this than you're putting into it? Um, and I would say that if you just go in and are ready to just enjoy this movie, you're actually going to get more out of it than than you are putting into it. Yeah. Because again, the not only is everybody having fun, not only are the action scenes great, not only is it funny, um, but like. Along the way, like there are fully three-dimensional characters. Yes. It feels like you're in a living, breathing world. And like, you know, it definitely takes an emotional perspective, even though it's not a highly emotional movie. So right. I think I think that uh it's kinda like that um SNL where Tom Hanks plays the guy on Black Jeopardy. Uh <laughs> And he's like, he's talking about, well, I bought the Medea box set at Walmart, and I figure anytime you can laugh and pray in 120 minutes is money well spent. <laughs> so it's so it's like from that perspective, you are getting more out of this movie than you're putting in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, some other things that we've been watching um, because this is this is the world we are in now. Mm-hmm. Um, we just finished watching Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunter, mm-hmm, which Jessica was the assistant stunt coordinator on, and uh, and you were stunts in two episodes. Um, I was stunts in one episode, mm-hmm. and I assisted on two. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty great. Um. Let. Real quick, let's just do a lightning round of how, how we would rate things that we've been watching lately. Okay, um, what do we we should rate them all in the same? Um, uh, uh, let's rate it in uh, rate it in our sound bar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So so how many sound bars would you give Teenage Bounty Hunters? I would give it a four and a half. I'd give it four. Okay. Uh, I would give it a four and a half because I thought there's a lot of heart. The casting is brilliant. Mm-hmm. The writing is quirky AF. And 
everyone makes it happen. Yeah, the two leads are so good. And Kadeem Harrison. Mm -hmm, Who's also in Beyond Two Souls. Yes. (laughs) Is so good. Yeah, the two leads and Kadeem Harrison are carrying the show. The only reason I knock it back a little bit from where you are is just because it starts off being more like like a comedy with action in it. And then it kind of goes through like a really dramatic uh, middle. And then it kind of picks back up at the end. Uh, but that makes me excited for a season two. You no, know, totally. And I'm totally on board. And I enjoyed every moment of it. I'm just saying that it didn't feel quite as consistent tonally episode by episode. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Mindhunter. Five. Okay. Uh, no, realistically, I'll give it four and a half. I okay. Think. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Why do you give it in a four and a half to five? Because... Uh, it's just so well put together. Um, kind of like how, you remember when House of Cards was good in the very beginning? Yeah. And it felt like, it felt kind of like you were watching an extended David Fincher episode, uh, show? Yeah. Uh, this one felt even more like that. I thought it was so well put together. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was gripping. Um, I really liked the music in there. Like I told you today, I'm still thinking about the music that they played during the during those cold opens. Yeah. And it's creepy the cold opens terrifying yeah okay so the reason i don't give it a freaking five mm-hmm. is because david venture's too busy to do another song. i know i know he's finishing up mank which is uh his biopic on uh herman mankiewicz who co-wrote uh citizen kane um which hit, super cool yeah which i mean i'm not fa- a huge citizen kane fan no. but that's a different day but fin- david fincher's father wrote the script for that which is super cool yeah. however uh, but like it's like you know he's not actively show running every episode you know you know that that the crew because there were only three directors in season two you could just get those other two directors and they would be tonal, tonally consistent with the rules that he set out he could t- they could totally make it happen um, if Steven Spielberg could film Schindler's List and edit Jurassic Park remotely, uh, all at the same time, I think Fincher could probably. Well, showrunning's a little bit different mm-hmm. because it's it's a lot longer of a period, and you unlike a movie which has one arc, mm-hmm. you've got a TV show which you have to manage a lot of things. The reason that I only give it a four and not a five is they the first season is. Briantes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just brilliant. But then they go and they, they're following the chronology of these people in real life. Mm-hmm. There's a real, this is based on true events. Yeah. And they go and they t- are trying to solve the Atlanta missing and murdered, which there's tons of amazing things about Atlanta's missing and murdered right now. And it's a very critical story, especially with our Black Lives Matter movement that has picked up crazy good steam right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because nobody's afraid to lose a job right, right now. So bring it on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so this is an incredible, incredibly important story. But Jordan, you, you put it that way. It's, it's really hard to take on a season knowing that this is something that cannot be solved. Right. And then it completely leaves, and we're not going to spoil anything, the hierarchy of what the whole show is about mm-hmm. and what grips you. Yeah, it leaves it. Yeah, I, having said all that, I'll probably go down between a four and a quarter and four and a half, um, because the first—you're right. 
the first season definitely was stronger. And the interviews with Edmund Kemper were definitely stronger oh. than like the ones that they did with Charles Manson or uh, the David Berkowitz one, The Son of Sam. That was good. Honestly, I really like the thing is, though, like I really liked the interview with Manson mm-hmm. because it like it was who he was. Yeah. What I liked about it is that like they went into it hoping to get some catharsis. And it's like, no, he's just a crazy person. Also, the manipulation. Yeah. Anyway, Jordan and I could probably go on forever about Mindhunter. Mindhunter's great. Mm-hmm. Next show. Uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Five. Five. Five and a half. Yeah. Six. The show is perfect. Yeah, that it's a documentary about mm-hmm. the Golden State Killer uh, on HBO. So if you have HBO or HBO Max, uh, definitely recommend watching it there. And it is the story of Michelle McNamara who tragically lost her life. and Before they found out who it was. Um, and Patton Oswalt is um, is her late husband, or it's Patton Oswalt's late wife. Thank you. But there, we were trying to phrase that in a way where we didn't frame Michelle McNamara just as Patton Oswalt's wife. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, um, he and her team finished the book, mm-hmm. and I I'm not going to tell you anything else, but it is it is one of the most masterful documentaries I have ever scene despite what some of the official phrasing is uh things that michelle mcnamara did directly led to the capture of the golden state killer yeah and we will i'm not gonna tell you anything else go watch it yeah um Um, and if there's a way to rent it or buy it mm -hmm. it's worth it yeah uh what else have we watched lately oh gosh uh god we've watched so much um movie that didn't hold up very well was sister act two Terrible movies, terrible. Sister Act One still is it was en- pretty it was good. enjoyable. Um, we rewatched all of Queer Eye. Yeah, we rewatched all of Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Modern Family holds up a lot better than I remembered. Agreed. Um, we stopped watching it around season five. Uh, whenever I don't know, things just f- started feeling false, and they started kind of going into like it almost felt Benny Hill to me. Interesting. I didn't get Benny Hill, but... But, like, just kind of like a comedy of errors. Tell the folks why we rewatched Modern Family. So, our daughter was born, uh, and we were in the recovery suite. Uh, Yeah, we were only in the hospital 30 hours after she was born. Yeah. Um, But the whole day after, it was just Jessica, Willa, and I. And we were just getting to know her. We were learning how to take care of her. I was learning how to change diapers. But we were flipping through the channels. And of course, it was like on a small TV. And the only speaker for it was in the hospital bed itself. But I think it was like USA was playing a modern family marathon literally from like 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. So whenever we woke up, we were flipping through channels. And we were like, oh, it's an episode of Modern Family. And then it just kept going. And we... Never turned it off. Yeah, so it was just, it's not like we were just like, oh, our daughter's here, let's watch TV. But it was just in the background. We we were watching it while she slept. We were watching it while we talked to each other. We ordered pizza. Um, and it was just a really great day. So I... And, and we had a baby during the beginning of a pandemic. Yeah. So like, we couldn't go anywhere. No one could bring us food. Mm-hmm. Jordan could not leave the building. If he stepped foot out of the building, yeah. he could not come back. Um. But, uh, but yeah, so I just had fond memories of that. So I came home and they had a sale on the complete series. Like, and I mean, actually it was like less than a dollar an episode for what I paid for it. 
Um, but yeah, we rewatched all of it, and that's what we did while we were in the newborn phase. Yeah, and like you just kind of, if there's any new parents listening, um, my unsolicited advice to you is the newborn phase, if you are able to, um, don't look at the clock, just exist. Mm-hmm. Exist. And it doesn't last forever. It actually is such a shockingly short amount of time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we watched Modern Family. Um, all of Queer Eye. Uh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned Ford v. Ferrari. That was really good how, and heartbreaking. Yeah, how would you? How many would you give that one? Give it a four and a quarter. I'll give it four and a quarter too. I, I was surprised at how much we, I liked that. I know Jordan and I are constantly shocked how much we like racing movies. Rush. Rush is a great movie. Rush we, is and, great. And both of those are the ones that we watched on whims. Yeah. Um, but no, Ford v Ferrari was great. Uh, and like Jess said, the ending is heartbreaking. But uh, it was also just cast so well. I mean, of course, you have Matt Damon and Christian Bale, but Tracy Letts is Henry Ford Jr. Um, I can't remember who it was who, I think it was like Catriona Balfe who played Christian Bale's wife. Oh. I really liked her in it. And I, I liked, uh, I think it was the kid from A Quiet Place who played his son. I think so. Yeah. And then... It was just cast well. It was directed well. Uh, I expected that to be a movie where I was like, really? This was nominated for Best Picture? And then watched it and I was like, no, I mean, that actually holds its own really well. It was really good. Yeah. Um, gosh. I feel like we've definitely watched more things. Uh, but... Hunt for the Wilder People. <gasps> Hunt for the Wilder People. If Jojo Rabbit is a little too heavy for you, I definitely recommend watching Hunt for the Wilder People on Hulu. Yeah, so it was directed by Taika Waititi. Thank you. Um, so what, how would you rate Hunt for the Wilder People? Oh, I'd give that solid four and a quarter. Four. I'd give it a five. Yeah. The movie's perfect. Yeah, all right, you know what? The I'll, movie is perfect. I, I, I'm not just saying this just so I can agree with you, but I will, I will go there. I will give it a five. It's great. Yeah. It is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also nice to watch something that's not American. Yeah. Um, and a, a culture that is not ours at all. Yeah. It deals with the heavier themes while still being like just super quirky. Um, like where there's a moment, it, this is what spurs the movie on, but when the kid decides to run away on his own so he doesn't have to go back to the orphanage, uh, he decides to fake his death. And the way he fakes his death. So good. It's only in the way that like a 10 year old kid would think it it's would work. So good. Yeah. It's so good. It's heartbreaking. It makes you, gives you hope um, it reminds you that people are like people are going to be who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect movie. Um, yeah, because I don't like th- I don't like Thor. Yeah, yeah, um, and I like Jojo Rabbit. I just really struggle with the movie. You can listen to our review on that. Um, but I struggle with that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be I have I really don't do well in movies where babies don't go back to their mamas. I have never been able to watch rewatch Changeling. I was traumatized after watching Changeling, so that's my Yeah. My thing. Um 
see, trying to think. We we've watched so much. We talked in our Instagram about uh, Eurovision and about uh, Palm Springs. Yeah, so stay tuned on our Instagram. You can follow us at Date Night at the Movies. We are going to be um, installing basically the two minute review, mm-hmm. so you can check it out. If you want to see lots more Willavision, you can check it out on our Instagram. We're just going to be a lot more present. Um, I can't tell you what all is going to happen because I'm just doing it in the time that I have of looking for work, trying to keep a career alive, and raising a child and keeping her alive. So, um, and got, I'm here too. <laughs> and I've got a, a snoring dog in my lap. And She's smiling though. She's sleep smiling. Is she sleep smiling? She's sleep smiling. We are. And then Char- we have two dogs in the podcast right now. Charlie is, we have a dog bed that's always in the studio. And we are living the dream, everybody. And having the best day ever and we are back in the studio it's we i mean obviously this movie was good enough that we were like we are doing an episode yeah yeah we were we had not planned on coming down here today uh but we watched the movie and we were like yeah i think we can do an episode on this so this movie i think this is a good one for us to get back into it because again we didn't spend that much time talking about birds of prey but it made us excited to come down and start recording again. And especially, like, we talked about it towards the end of last year. As much of a bummer as so many of the movies we watched at the end of 2019 was, like, it made it hard for us to get excited to come down It here. was just the precursor of what 2020 was going mm-hmm. to feel like. Hey, all right, speaking of that, Do Parasite. You... Yeah. Have we talked about Parasite at all on this sh- on our show yet? I feel like we did an Invisible Man. We might have. Anyway, go see it. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's really great. Yeah. It's really great. I, gosh, that movie is complicated. Mm-hmm. But it's it's amazing. I know we talked about it, but just thinking about it, because again, Oscars aren't everything. It's really more about, we all know it's more about advertising uh, than anything. If you already have a career when you're nominated for an Oscar, it's you know, from what everybody says, it's cool, but it's not the be-all, end-all. If you're one of those people who your career is made by winning an Oscar, then, like, it obviously means a lot more. Of but for the most part, it's a way for studios to get you to buy the movie or go see it again on the re-release. However, I will say, it is amazing that in the Oscars for the movies that came out in 2019, how many of the best picture ones were, like, legitimately amazing movies. Yeah. Because, I mean, you had... Ford v. Ferrari, which again was surprisingly great. You had Parasite. You had 1917. You had Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I can't remember what other ones there were. But, but I mean, those, those are all really knock-out-of-the-park films. Yeah. And then you also, I mean, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but you have Knives Out for Best Original Screenplay. Oh, so good. I I, Ready or not. Ready or not. <laughs> Ready or not, y'all. How, how many? Oh, God, four and three quarters. I'll give it four and a half. So good. Yeah. The oh it and the ending, it does what you want it to do, but then you're just like, oh no, I didn't actually want that. Yeah. Which is actually how all the characters were too. I know. It's so good. I, I, we really wanted to see that in theaters. Yeah, we tried really hard to go see that one in theaters. Um it was it's so good. Where did we watch that? HBO. We watched it on HBO. Mm-hmm. I will say, so we're all spending a ton of money on streaming services. Um, I will say the HBO, HBO Max, picking one of those, mm-hmm. probably the HBO Max if you're, yeah. if you're not. Well, I think now it's either like you can get HBO Go if you subscribe to HBO like through your TV provider or you get HBO Max. They, I don't think they do HBO now anymore. Okay, doing HBO Max, Hulu, Netflix, 
And Disney Plus, y'all. Mm-hmm. We just watched Finding Dory. Finding Dory was really good. Oh, it was very good. Yeah. Um, Stru- super duper heartwarming. Um, I know, y'all, everybody's so shocked about Ellen. That's not news. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that I heard about it after we watched the movie, though. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, no, Finding Dory was great. How many for Finding Dory? I'd give it a four. I'll give it a four. Um, were there any other ones on Disney Plus that we watched recently? I'd never seen Tarzan. Yeah, what'd you think about Tarzan? I'd give Tarzan a four. Tarzan's great. Yeah, I mean, they flat out killed a baby gorilla in the beginning of the movie. They sure did. They sure did, sir. (laughs) They sure did. I didn't remember that part. Yeah. And then Jordan goes, they just straight up killed that baby gorilla. (laughs) And I was like, yes, they did. Um... But yeah, I think if you're... We've been watching a lot on Disney Plus, I feel. Yeah, but Disney Plus has also been us re-watching things. Like, you know, we're not going to do an episode on The Great Mouse Detective, you know? No, and also I find... I'm looking forward to watching those with Willa because I'm not able to focus. Yeah. Um, Hunchback, I don't like. That did not... No, I don't like that. Um, I liked Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove was good. Um, The other Greek one. Hercules. Not great. No, didn't love Hercules. Um, Finding Numo, Finding Dory. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. I mean, pretty much all the Pixar ones. Monsters uh, University. Monsters University was so good! Four and a quarter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Solid four and a quarter. So good. Um, it doesn't follow in line with Monsters, Inc. at all. No, like, there's... Don't watch it thinking about... Don't watch them back boards. to back. <laughs> don't watch them back to back. It will disappoint you. Mm-hmm. Give time. Both very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But kind of piggybacking on what you were talking about, because we're all in a place where it's like, you know, there are tons of streaming services that we can that we can choose from, and like, where do you get the best bang for your buck? Um, we we are the people who we do split some of the uh, some of the costs. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, with uh, other people, um, we trade like we traded her parents a Hulu subscription for uh, HBO Max. You know. Yeah, they would get Netflix, but it's included. Yeah. So. But um, but yeah, we gave them logins to all of our stuff, and then they gave us logins to their stuff too. Um, but I would say, if we were just paying for for everything, and we were like, okay, we need to pare things down. Like Shutter, we could probably get rid of, but Shutter's also so cheap that whenever we do watch it, it's worth it. How much is Shutter a month? Five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Disney Plus is six. I know. I would say, but going bang for the buck, I think so far HBO Max gives you the most. There's so many movies. They bring new movies in every month. Mm-hmm. You get every show ever made on HBO. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus is pretty good for six bucks, although I'm... <gasps> oh, and they have Doctor Who. I can't wait. To, HBO. I can't wait. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm saying... Sorry. What were you saying? Hulu? Uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus has pretty good bang for the buck. They're not going to keep adding a lot of new things, but especially like if you have kids, you know, the Disney stuff, you have every Marvel one on there. So especially if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, it's actually a really great deal. Yeah. Um, Netflix, there's a lot that we watch on it, but like I could see if we had to start trimming back things where Netflix might be one that goes. Yeah, I would be very sad about the Great British Bake, Shop, Bake Off. I know. Uh, Hulu, that was Hulu was our main one for a while, we, but like we haven't been watching it as much lately. Uh, but it, there's still a lot that you can get from it. And then you know we get Amazon Prime, but we did Amazon Prime because we were our prime members and we just so happened to get it. You right. Know? I I think HBO if you I would say HBO Max mm-hmm. 
um, because you do get so much. And now you get Friends, you get Harry Potter, you get Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Like, that's a really, yeah. it's a lot of stuff. I would say that Gun, gun to My Head, you, you had to choose two. It would probably be HBO Max and Disney Plus. Same. Yeah. And I and here's the thing. I would also just throw in Amazon Prime, even though Jeff Bezos is evil and he takes all of the money and Jeff he Jeff Bezos taxes. could actually be Batman if he wanted to, and he chooses not to be. He chooses to be Magneto. Um same, same, obviously same, same. Yes. Um, but um the thing is, is you do get Prime. And right now, when we're not trying to leave our homes, it's super helpful. Um, and <laughs> diapers are really cheap on Amazon. <laughs> and you get awesome TV shows. But I really feel like we need to explore it more. Yeah. Um, real quick, Rocket Man. Uh, we watched Rocket Man as well. We did. We did. Um, I would give it a three. I'm going to give it a three, too. I... Enjoyed it as much as I possibly could enjoy a music biopic. Yeah, Jordan hates music biopics. Yeah. It was like, and even Rocket Man, which, again, I think they should have gone even further in the direction that they said they were going to go into, which is like make it super musically and make it like. There and parts, my argument that they, is that they did. I think they could have gone further, but we won't get into that right now. But I, like, had they gone more in the direction of Tommy, uh, the Who's Tommy, I think like I would have been so down for that. Uh, but even with as original of a vision as they had, and again, it was good. I just don't love it. But it was still like, oh, I wonder if here he's going to start alienating his friends. I wonder if here he's going to be dealing with a drug issue. And like, I understand that's part of you know Elton John's life, but it was just like beat for beat. Oh, this is what's happening right now. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I don't like that they added in an abusive father, which is not factual. I think it might have been partially factual. Like, oh, I've been, yeah. I've been doing a lot of research about it. Uh, so Elton John's half-brothers talk about how their father wasn't like that. And like, yeah, Elton was always around for like Christmas and holidays and things like that. But what you have to remember, too, is that Elton John is a producer on this movie. He could have put the kibosh on that. That's so, true. So if nothing else, maybe that was his vision of it. It's like, oh, my dad didn't get nice until he had his other family. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah, So, so I... I mean, of course, I don't know Elton John. Elton John doesn't know me. I can't speak for that. But just in me reading about it and then thinking about the mechanics of making a movie based upon somebody's life when they're that heavily involved. Yeah. I mean, he won an Oscar for his work on this movie. Which is a bummer that, like, the ending is disappointing. The ending is disappointing. But um, I would say that it's it's a fun watch. And if you really like movie musicals, again, I, I think it really... It went in the direction of a movie musical. I want it to be more. I'm very excited for West Side. I hate West Side Story, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see this new rendition of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. That, I'm really excited for Into the Heights. Uh, I'm glad that Steven Spielberg's finally getting to do his musical. Yeah. Maybe now he can go back to making entertaining movies again. <laughs> I don't know. He's really struggled. Like Smash was a, was rough. Well, and Smash, his whole thing was that he wanted to he wanted to start doing Broadway. So that was like his toe in the water for it. Mm, fair enough. And that's why it's taken eight years for him to do uh, West Side Story. Yeah. But yeah, uh, In the Heights uh, should hopefully be pretty good. Mm, so um, excited. We watched Hamilton. Hamilton was... So I um, have... Li- I, I listen to a lot of musicals and it's one of those that I, I understood why it was so good. Mm-hmm. But when I just listened to it, I really struggled with connecting with the music and seeing it. 
Y'all, so I, I have a theater, I have a background in theater. It is the, it is the love of, it's the performing love of my life. Um, five minutes in after that opening, I was weeping. Well, what I, I was ugly crying. What I loved about it too is that it is a film, the stage production of it, but they allow the camera to do things the way that you would in a movie. Yeah, it, well, it has really great fades. I mean, it's not an active camera. No, but like there are moments, especially like in the opening scene, in the opening number, uh, where like the first time you see Hamilton on stage, and then the music drops out, and he sings that part a cappella. It is a super close up of him, and then it kind of like zooms out, so you can see the rest of the the rest of the cast and the rest of the stage. Yeah, what it does a really great job of is it helps when you're there in person. All of that staging, all of the theatricality of of everything. What's so great about it is, is the the camera work takes you there. So that's that's what's so good. Yeah. So um, definitely see it. Willa thought it was great. Willa likes musicals. Willa gives. Uh, she loved the Lion King. Yeah. Yes. Before the mommy police. We are trying to avoid screen time, but when you can't go to class, she's in music class right now, but we have to go outside for that and put bug spray on. And, you know, we're still social distancing and there's still masks. I forgot my mask the other day, so I had to use a double-sided burp cloth. It was sweltering. (laughs) Um, So essentially, when you can't go anywhere and just go do things and then... All, you know, it's tough. So screen time, well, sorry. And it's yeah. the only way for her to see her grandparents. Well, and here's the thing too, like as far as screen time for us, because again, we are watching a lot more TV now than we normally do. Um, but like, especially with the baby, you know, I know the classic thing has always been, why would you watch TV when you can read a book? You know, the, the printed word. And it's like, yes, you're right. I really have a lot of books that I would like to start reading. But you try holding a book and taking care of a four-month-old at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, she does like reading though. We read, we're reading her story, mm-hmm. her story. Yeah, that's a great book. Um, even th- even though it has people like uh, Mother Teresa and uh, and Indira Gandhi who are pretty controversial, but but you know it's kind of like with when we talk about Voldemort or Voldemort is that you can be great and terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's what I like in that book, especially when they talk about Indira Gandhi, is that they even mentioned she did a lot of things that people weren't happy about. I mean, about. this book doesn't shy around from the bad things you do. Right. So it it's great. She doesn't understand any of it, but we're, but she seems she to be lo- into it. She loves it. Yeah. She loves reading. I was reading a, a book about when the elephant walks, and she thought it was like the funniest thing on the planet. I read her one about a barnyard dance that she was into. Yeah. We're, we're those people now. It's the best. <laughs> All right, my friends, is there anything else that you want our beautiful audience to? Uh, no, I have literally nothing to plug. Um, um, please go watch Teenage Bounty Hunters. We'd love another uh, season. Go watch Creep Show. Um, I hopefully will get to work on the next season. Yeah, Lovecraft Country is coming out. L- you Lovecraft Country. Um, I've got a couple classes. Um, I'm an intimacy coordinator, so um, I work with intimacy directors and coordinators. You can head to idcprofessionals.com, and you can check out some classes. I've got a class that will come out after this airs, um, but I've got more classes coming um, coming down the pipeline, and um, I don't know, just, um, and maybe Jordan and I, we're going to explore what it's, what is it like to create a date night at home, and hopefully we'll be able to share that. It's tough. 
It's tough, especially whenever the baby sleeps in the same bed with you as well. Well, but like, like making a nice dinner and I, I, I know. I'm just adding that on. There. He's killing me, y'all. She literally rolled her eyes at me at that moment. <laughs> I also have the sixty pound lap dog. My leg is going numb. Yeah, we we need to call it quits so that way you can get the dog off your lap. Yeah, she's cute though. Yes, she is. All right, my friends. Well. We are so excited to be talking to you again. Leave comments. Um, we're very active on Instagram at Date Night at the Movies. You can follow us on Facebook and you like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. We're not really active on Twitter, but we are there at Date underscore Movies, which we still hate. But I know. Yeah. Um, well, from our family to yours, um, welcome back. And 2020 sucks. Yes, it does. All right, well, I'm Jordan. I'm Jess. Good night.